feel like Gordon Bombay would have taken his career to even further heights. Everything's flashy, everything's cocaine, everything's fun. Open wide for some soccer. I don't care what you think about, what your personal thoughts are at home. I care that you hate the Cowboys. Call this college rule! Welcome back, everybody, to the Sports Experience Podcast. Dom and Chris here, and uh, before we begin, as always, make sure you follow us on social medias. You know, do the thing with the following the thing, and subscribe to us on all platforms. We're there on all podcasts and at Sports Experience on Instagram because, you know, looking at those numbers and listening and judging by the numbers you haven't, let's pump them up. Come on. Uh, today, we are... Back and I'll be. Uh, didn't we get this as a suggestion? We got this as a suggestion from yeah, yeah. our buddy Astro Star. Yeah, so no. thank you for that. Uh, today we're talking about pretty much the '93 Oilers, uh, the build up to them, and pretty much the collapse of a franchise, if you will. Yeah, it was like it was like a decade of just nothing, and then here we go. Yeah, here we and then. Uh, well, we'll get into it. We'll yes. get into it now. Um, they made two consecutive AFC Championship games in '78 and '79. Then in 1980, they made the playoffs again, but lost to the Raiders. And they fired their head coach, Bum Phillips, and they just bottomed out for like the next five years. Just completely. They had guys named Manning and Luck starting at quarterback. Not the good ones. That's right. The crappy ones. They were crappy. Well, they were in this era in the 80s, one of the worst teams. And then they kind of build a, a team going into the late 80s. Yeah, because they're picking so high. So they're yep. picking like guys who are in the NFL Hall of Fame. Yeah. like Pro you know, Bowls. Pro Bowls, too, like offensive linemen uh, Bruce Matthews and Mike Munchak are mm-hmm. in these drafts near the top. And in 1984, they get the NFL's first real free agent. You see anything about that? With Warren Moon? With Warren Moon. Coming down from Canada, needing a job. They hired his coach from Edmonton just so he would just come. Just so he would come. Yeah. Yeah, so he would agree to become their quarterback. He won five Grey Cups. I was just, just going to say, because he really was their quarterback for – a long ass time and you think about it as like in Houston pretty much this first uh free agent coming through it is a big deal for this franchise oh it's a huge even though they continue to be kind of crappy yes for for a while of seasons but uh defensive coordinator Jerry Glanville steps in towards the end of 85 and then by 87 he has the Oilers finally back in the playoffs first time in seven years that's pretty crazy um, that year was a strike year, and they have the run-and-shoot offense with Warren Moon, mm-hmm. and they become one of the league's best at throwing the ball down the field. Um, we'll get into how sometimes that type of offense doesn't work. Well, it's it's a very exciting offense, but you're right. It has um, holes in it. You know, it's not, a, it's not a solid offense, and, you know, maybe your defensive coordinator later on doesn't like it very much. We'll see. I we'll don't see. Know. We'll see, yeah. Um, so they end up losing to the Broncos. In 87, in yeah. 87. They, they beat the Seahawks, but then it's like, yep. oh, man, we got good things ahead for 88. And then, well, unfortunately, they win 10 games and make the playoffs, but they're the lowest-seeded wild card. Yeah. Yeah. So back in those days, uh, they do beat Cleveland because, you know, that's what teams tend to do in the postseason. And, uh, well, then they basically get the crap beat out of them by Buffalo. They never play them again, though, Chris. They never do. They never do. There's no they, more games They scheduled. never see the Bills. They never see the Bills. So three straight years in the playoffs. You can't get past the divisional round. And then 1989 happens. And my God, this is, this is not good. This is not good. They, uh, 
should have probably won the division over the Browns, but they have to settle for the final wild card. Again, that's well. They weren't the last wild card, but yes, they had to. They had to have a home game, and they played Pittsburgh, who and, was arguably yeah. the worst playoff team to have ever have existed under that five team format ever, and they lose on an overtime field goal. I was just gonna say they get humiliated because everybody was picking them to go through. This is the the start of when you start to see the Oilers fan base. Um, start to be like, okay, we should be winning yeah. at least like a couple of these going in. Dude, they have like in some of these seasons like eight to nine Pro Bowlers on their That's, roster. Yes, and you're exactly. just like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Just what are you doing? And you can just see it's almost like dysfunction from the top. Yeah. You know, because obviously they have like an unbelievable, uh, unbelievable roster of talent. It just can't get it together, especially in the playoffs. You have four incredible receivers with Haywood Jeffries. Ernest Givens, Curtis Duncan, and Drew Hill. And you're telling me you can't get past the divisional round? And Warren Moon, who is, yeah. you know. Most passing yards ever if you count Canada. Yeah, which like, we don't. Which, you know, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. That's depends very, on how right. our argument is. You're right. Like, depends if I'm having pancakes or not. Yeah, what's the exchange rate for a number of Grey Cups to a Super Bowl? I say three. <laughs> God damn it, Dominic. Anyway, so the, Jerry Glanville, their head coach, loses his job. He loses his job. Uh, after the 89 season. And then in 1990, Moon has 33 touchdowns. He throws for over 500 yards in one of the mm-hmm. games this year. That's how dope he was and how great that offense was. And how exciting it was because there weren't offenses like this that were just absolutely putting up video game style numbers. You know what I mean? June Jones with the red gun and then Kevin Gilbride is in 1990 for them. And they're slinging it around even more. Yep. And... They make the playoffs again, but still a wild card. Mind you, they have not won a division since the NFL merger. It's pretty brutal. And they absolutely get throttled in the playoffs by the Bengals. Mm -hmm. It it was a sad game. Not as bad as the one the year before where... They should have won? No, 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 no. It's the Bengals. We're at Riverfront where uh, Sam White called a timeout just to kick a field goal what he, to make it 61-7. to seven Oh, yeah. Because he hated Jerry Glenn. he hated so. him that much, yes. So, anyway, 1991 for the Oilers. For the first time, they won an AFC Central title. Best offense in the league. I mean, everything's, everything's coming up, Oilers. I was just going to say, everything's starting to click. Everybody's starting to be like, okay, we, we saw them kind of lose. But 91 is, and you see this kind of going forward where they're like not necessarily picked for the Super Bowl, but they're like, all right, this is a playoff team without a doubt. And they go to Denver. We mentioned this in one of our previous episodes. They go there. They're up big in the first half. They're mm-hmm. up 14 to nothing, like right out the gate. And then two fourth, and this is a harbinger of things to come, Chris. Two fourth down conversions to John Elway to where they can kick the winning field goal. And just the them going ahead early and really slacking off later. That's like almost like a hallmark to this team. And I remember one of the guys said that. It was just like, I hate that so much because they literally will go up early in these games, first half, and then we're going to see it coming up. And just teams just come back on them. Yeah. So 92... You won the division. Things are going to look you up your way that year, and they don't. They fuck up two huge games against the Steelers mm-hmm. to cost them not only the division, but the one seed in the entire... They would have had to play all the games at the Astrodome. Yep. 
Um, so it ends up happening. In their last regular season game, though, Buffalo comes to Houston, and they kick the crap out of them. So they prevent Buffalo from winning the AFC East, but they still have to go to Buffalo for the for AFC the- wildcard game. Yep. And... For the first half, you got to see how awesome the run and shoot was when you could just operate it. Like, mm-hmm. you didn't have any lulls. All of your red zone drives worked. All of your receivers and quarterback were in sync on routes like mid-play. 35-3 to the beginning and of it, the, fourth, the, third, the quarter. third quarter. This is one of those interesting ones where it really is such a tale of two halves where in the first half you're like, oh, this is how this offense works. Yeah. And then in the next half you're like, oh, this is how the Bills' defense works. Yeah. (laughs) Jim Kelly's not even in. Thurman Thomas isn't in. They got a popcorn guy playing defensive back. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, They lose in overtime. Bills, I was going to say, come back in, for the time, the biggest comeback in in playoff history where – it's still the biggest one. Is playoff. it still the yeah okay. in playoff? Yeah, uh-huh. in playoff. Okay, yeah, yeah. And they were talking about it. They're like, obviously, there needs to almost be a change going into this next season, right? There was not any kind of coordination from oh god no top to bottom as to what change that was. It was just like you know what, we're just gonna throw shit against the wall, see what sticks. <laughs> well, they, we're just gonna see what sticks. By this point, by ninety three. Bud Adams, the owner, had been trying to work with Houston to either get more upgrades to the Astrodome yep. or have a new separate facility entirely. And he, I saw this where he wanted it to be almost a shared facility with the Rockets, yep. which is smart because they're in the off seasons. And like what mm-hmm. he was suggesting is pretty much what they have now. But yeah. like for whatever reason, they were like, I don't know about that. Like it was... Well, watching yeah. Frank Reich carve your team like a Thanksgiving turkey when it matters, maybe I don't want that bond measure to pass. Yes, yes. So, But he had said, because the salary cap, and we brought that up, listen to our free agency episode. Yep. Because the salary cap was coming in 1994. He basically told the team, hey, not all of you are coming back. In fact, most of you aren't coming back. We we're can't gonna, afford you. We're hoping to be bad enough to relocate to, to Miami. This guy's dead. Cross him, him off, off then. <laughs> Who but is that's, he? But that's the thing. Go, this is the thing that I really wanted to emphasize was going into this 93 season, they were a unbelievably talented team. They weren't like Major League I mean, where they were a bunch of guys that were like actually bad. They were like other teams were like, oh, they're they're." I think they were actually being picked to uh, get go to the into, Super Bowl. Yes. Yeah, I mean. And head coach Jack Party made the team better after Glanville left yes. with his bravado and all that nonsense. But they say, hey, let's not hunker down and get our shit together. Let's put the most toxic person into this entire equation and see what happens on a group full of rowdy, insane people. So the head the head coach is literally being interviewed, and they stop the interview, and they're just like, just to report, we do have an announcement that the new defensive coordinator for the Oilers will be Buddy Ryan. And you can see on his face like, what the f-? It's like in Dumb and Dumber where Harry's on the toilet, and she's like, oh, I hope you're not using the toilet. It doesn't flush. And it goes, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. That's exactly yes. what his face looked like. Because it it is very... Obviously, he doesn't want him coming in. Obviously, Buddy Ryan is an unbelievably 
Because you know, amazing defensive coach. You have to fire your defensive coordinator after thirty-five to three. Yep. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it sucks. Nope. I mean, he gave him years of service, but like after that, it's like, okay, well, y- you did what you didn't need to do. You're fired. So, Buddy Ryan comes in and pretty much does what he did at the Bears, which is awesome. And music videos make it. You know what? You're right. We we. I was wrong. I was going to talk shit on Buddy Ryan, and he was the director of that. So <laughs> you're right. No. But he came Keep in going. and pretty much made one team, two teams. That He was like notorious yeah. for this. And it's not like his players weren't scheme versatile. They had played 3-4 and 4-3 all throughout. They're the only team heading into 93 to make the playoffs six straight seasons. In the NFL. Yep. Teams won Super Bowls and then maybe had an off year. The Oilers always had one of those on years that just went off the goddamn off ramp. Bill Belichick, I saw, had a quote where he was just like, yeah, it was one of the most talented group of guys I've ever seen. Where you like, this is what everybody's saying. It was just like, this is where they're going to break through. And you wonder if they didn't throw this cat in a bag what would they have been because buddy comes in and he's just like all right we want fights every single day and i mean it's wild it's no it's insane and it's more or less like just going hey i just put a cat in the wall let me just feel around with some cheeto fingers that's right that's right you know what gets a cat out of a wall another cat in the wall bird Bird. Uh, put a bird in there come on d Oh, I'm not allowed to eat the skin. <laughs> See? So anyway, 93, they're picked as the AFC's fa- like the favorite to make the Super Bowl. Yeah. So I picked them for the Super Bowl and they start horrendously this season. Horrendously. Uh, I was just going to say they they really and this is what the feeling was, was they were never a team. No. You know what I mean? Like one buddy came in, it was like defense versus offense. And I saw one, I, I don't think it was Warren Moon, but somebody said it. It was like, it was literally Oilers versus Oilers. Oh, more yeah. so than us versus whoever, you know, that Raiders, whoever they were playing, it was like us versus us every single time was almost more important. What's funny is Brian would refer to the run and shoot as the Chuck and Duck. But oh, Warren Moon said every time in practice, that is the specific offense that you destroys the 46. Yes. Like, as long as your quarterback isn't mauled to death, open guys everywhere. So he's like, I don't know how he didn't have respect for us. We killed him in practice every day. Well, I, I, that's, I think that was more of the anger was he was like, it really tore his defense up because he came up with his defense and he can almost look at it like, oh, if this is the future of the NFL, my defense is going to get shredded. Yeah. And like you were saying, he called it, and he would just constantly make jabs like that about the offense. But it's like, this is where the NFL is going. It's like 10, 15 years ahead of where it eventually became. But yep. still, like, you could see, man, as long as you have four good route running receivers who are quick, as long as you have a larger running back to take advantage of those non stack boxes and any sort of blocking. Really, your only fear is converting in the red zone, just in the limited windows of spaces. Yep. Like, but you see four wide on almost every, uh, almost every game. Mm-hmm. Almost every team runs that. So, yeah. So and so we're going into it. Um, How do they start? Just, they get <laughs> annihilated um, by who? I forgot. I mean, they got 
the shit kicked out of them by the Saints. By the Saints. The first week. And then they play the Chiefs. And then they play the Chiefs, who do not have this is what I wanted their to bring new up. quarterback. The Chiefs are starting a, Dave Craig. A 47-year-old. <laughs> Dave but, Craig finished filing out um, his Social Security paperwork and then went to play at the Astrodome in week two and then but, had some Werther's Originals at halftime. Joe Montana is the Chiefs QB at this time. He's sitting out. They have their backup. Oilers look like everybody's saying it because they're like week one was a hiccup. They looked like uh, everything was clicking Uh and boy, was it not. Oh, it started going straight to hell. Mm -hmm. They shut them out 30 to nothing, but then uh, they go to San Diego and they lose and then they play the Rams and they lose. (laughs) They started one and four. Overall this season. So, and this is the thing that I feel like when when you look at this season is the defense really clicks after this, but the dysfunction never goes away. Oh, the dysfunction never. Number one, Warren Moon gets benched yep. leading into their... Um, uh, six game? Yeah, six game against uh, New England. Um, his backup, Cody Carlson, he actually got them to the playoffs in 89. Yep. By beating, or 1990, by beating the Steelers in the last week. So, and yeah, I think he was at the time the highest paid backup. So you're thinking, like, oh, here comes a, here comes a jump start. And then he proceeds to get hurt. Yep. And Moon goes he back like, in. He, he like pulls his uh, muscle or something. So Moon comes back in, and there's, there's a feeling of like, okay, now our, our starter's back. Almost like a feeling of responsibility that I felt like wasn't there. But it just keeps getting weird. And not the good kind of weird, Chris. The bad kind of weird. Yep, the pissing in helmets kind of weird. The, the uh, hey, look over there, weird. Uh, <laughs> they uh, Their offensive tackle got criticized by his owner for attending the birth of his own his first child. Okay, so we can talk about this one because Warren Moon comes back. Um, they end up winning, and this should be the narrative that's going on you know yeah, what i mean like, Bench, if they were a united team yes they would just be like all right how many more of these do we have yes let's get back into the afc central race what the big story was was this guy going to have to be with his wife during the birth of his first child and, david williams yep and david williams and not coming back to the game um the only thing i have to say because this isn't even like a controversy yeah. now no it's such a the only thing that the that I agreed with with what the team said was we gave him off practice all of the meetings just because he said he was going to be at the game. After oh, that's a dick. Oh, that's a it, dick move. And then it was very much where they were like, this was set up as like the the kid was born, and then he was just like, you know what, guys, I am going to stay for this week. And then his wife had a little inside baseball for him, like, honey, this, take the week off. You earned it. And this is what. Uh, further divided the locker room because a lot of the guys in the locker room were like, nah, fuck that. He should stay. And other guys were like, we're here. Yeah. And like, we're here. My three illegitimate kids are somewhere exactly. else. Exactly. We're here. Warren Moon even said... Wives? McGriff always falls. Uh, but um, Warren Moon even said he was just like, I had a kid born midseason and I made it to that game. And you're just like... All right, buddy, but you know. Yeah, but you know what, man? You know what Warren Moon is more than anything else? Fucking professional. professional. That's how it's done. There was also the controversy with uh, 
Well, the tragic controversy. So they're on a roll. They just start I was reeling just off say, wins. They're, they're now the Buddy Ryan's defense is clicking. Their offense has kind of always been clicking, but it is more of like a, a well-oiled machine. They're winning out of spite and dysfunction. Oh, man. Yeah, like it's it's pretty crazy. I like that. They're winning out of spite. You can't return this out of spite. <laughs> you can't return this out of spite. Don't say revenge. Don't say revenge. So on uh, December 14th, 1993, their backup defensive tackle, Jeff Alm, uh, got in a car accident that killed his friend. Did you, see the, did you see the the thing that happened before? So they it, this Yeah, is, oh, the Spencer Tillman one? Yeah. Uh-huh. So it, this is the thing. It wasn't. Like, I saw this thing that wasn't like this was an isolated fight. Like, no. fights were happening. If a fight didn't happen on a day, they would be like, whoa, that's kind of... And they were saying this, too, because obviously these guys had been on multiple teams. They had been professionals for multiple years. They were like, I had never seen fights like this. And it also was And they were never- vicious. And they were vicious between dudes who probably just didn't fight at all before or yes, since then because yeah. it was it was it, that's what they said it was like literally crazy in there and it also wasn't guys because sometimes it's guys who are like fighting for the same position yeah it was literally always offense versus defense and this was one of them where it's like um, hey you want to go to lunch today no nah, fuck your mother exactly <laughs> it was it was crazy so these two guys got into a fight jeff allman spencer tillman and spencer tillman um said like, at, like obviously, you just say a bunch of shit, like, after the fight, and you just go, something really bad's going to happen to him, or something like that, where you're like, did he just curse this man? Did he just, like, Did he say, hold up, up your bucket, Joe Boo? Yeah, I'm a little bit uh, curious That's, about that myself. No, seriously. Hey, bartender, <laughs> Joe Boo needs a refill. That's, so... He, I gets think- a, he gets a, this DUI vehicular manslaughter, and, yep. uh, well, before the cops can get... Because he calls the cops. Calls the cops. Very distraught, disoriented. He killed his friend. He kind of, like, crashed on a bridge, and his friend went over the side and, and died on impact. Um, pulls a gun out and kills himself. Yeah, shotgun. Right to the dome. Yep. And uh, you'd think of any team this would destroy, but it doesn't, Chris. They you know why? fighting back. It smells like team spirit. <laughs> So they come in, Whew. and they're on a 11-game win streak at this time, or is it 10? Well, I think they're on like an eight-game win okay, streak. Okay, when this, this happens. Is, this is when they beat Pittsburgh the following week to win the division. Okay. So they won the division okay. again, yep. and in because of their 11 straight wins to finish the regular season, they're the two seed. They had a first-round bye. That's right. In the playoffs there in 1993. And, but something happens in their last game against the Jets this season, which, well, just kind of embodies the dysfunction felt all year. I was just going to say, it is such an embodiment of this team season. End of the first half, um, they think they're going to... Oilers have the ball. They think they're going to... Just run out the clock. Just run out the clock. clock. You have the lead. You're deep in your own territory. Just like, hey, this is 1993. We're going to do it. It's 1993. We're going to do it. Strategic. They decide not to do this and run a passing play. Which results in... A fumble. Mm -hmm. And Which the Jets get. Good for the Jets. Jets take it back. Um, Man, does Buddy Ryan flip out because... And this is the the dysfunction because you can have all the talent in the world, but, but if you're he had not, been pissed all year because of le- he, there were times where the offense was very you know 
too casual with the ball yes. and times they didn't need to be, that when the defense was sent back out there, he lost some starters. Mind you, this is the hottest team in the NFL at this point. I mean, they've rolled through everybody in the last 11 weeks. And then to have it this happen is kind of just ridiculous. But this is what I mean with the the dysfunction within the group where if you had like one cohesive like game plan you would have ran down the clock because he would have been like yo we're not sending the defense back out there that you know what i mean where it's like if you everybody was on the same page which they just weren't at one point at all throughout the season so they end up giving up a fumble buddy ryan starts to freak out Chris, can i just ask whatever happened to the old days when you could just calmly go to someone who made a mistake what was that douche nozzle? And then just walk away because yes. they understood it. That's true. They understood it. No, he gets. I mean, this team had more fights than a 1998 episode of Jerry Springer. That's what they had. And Buddy decides, fuck it. Players can fight. Why not coaches? That's that's the that's what I want to see. Um, Old men doing it, things is hilarious. It's also kind of funny when you see it because you realize how insane Buddy Ryan is because he is just talking shit and what what's the offensive coordinator Kevin Gilbride Kevin Gilbride literally literally walks over like what what the what are you talking about and without even like no he literally comes within his range and he just like cocks up not a good punch like I don't think Buddy Ryan's punched before and it that being said if it wasn't for Curtis Duncan or Keith McCants right there Kevin Gilbride, that's if what, he wanted to, would have fucked him up. Literally what everybody says. And if you look at it, you're like, oh, yeah, that was somebody that played football against an old man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it literally was like his mustache. Gilbride's mustache oh, would have fucked him up. His mustache, it wouldn't have even needed a touch buddy. He would have oh, fallen my God. over. But that's what made it so ridiculously funny because it was this old man being like, what do you mean to come in? <laughs> yeah. But I also, it is very much this dysfunction where nobody took responsibility above uh, Buddy Ryan to be like, hey, we're going to have this guy apologize to this guy. We're going to get more on the same page. It was more of just like, yeah, that was crazy. I don't know if you read was- this, but uh, allegedly they were a very tolerant locker room too. <sighs> They had they had alleged six gay guys on the team in 1993. Yeah, which that's pretty progressive, if you ask me. I saw that, and I remember thinking, I was just like, "Is this real?" And they, it, I don't even know what to say, especially about Houston. Uh, yeah, you know what like, I mean? I it's mean, not, they're not pro gay now. I mean, it's 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 a it's an edgy subject, but you know what, Chris? Winning cures all. Winning cures all. Yep, you know, it's very true. solves all your issues. Three yards in a cloud of dust, which is 100% not what this offense is doing. No. Will cure it all. It will cure it all. It will cure any dysfunction. For that, at least. That's not the true, fighting yeah. dysfunction. Well, Buddy didn't care. Also, I uh, the this, this goes back. I just kind of forgot about it early in the season when Buddy kept talking about it being the uh, Chuck and Dunk or Dunk. Whatever, I messed that up. One of the receivers came out and talked shit. No, Gibbons, yeah. And he just goes, I don't even know who that is. Which I actually believe he doesn't have any idea who the offensive players on his team are. What side of the ball you play on? Offense? Yeah, I don't need to know. I don't know who that guy is. Okay, hey. How's the family doing? I know that guy. But they win the game against the Jets. And then they're... I mean, 
this could have been the game, Chris. Mm-hmm. This could have been the game that saved everything. Yes, that would have. It could have turned a franchise around. It w- it wouldn't have mattered what happened afterwards if they won this game. Oh boy. But they play a team that they kicked the shit out of earlier this year. And they're going in with a lot of confidence. At home, unlike Buffalo the year before on the road. Exactly. Even though this team has their quarterback back. Joe Montana. <laughs> I mean, when you think like sorcery pre-Tom Brady, like a guy will just haunt your dreams and ruin everything. It's this guy. It's true. It's true. And they stroll on into Houston looking to play upset. They had won the week before in overtime. You're thinking, oh, man, the Oilers got them right where they want them. And they do for most of the game, most of the first half. For the first half, yes. For the first half, they were fantastic. I was going to say, for the first half, the defense, like I, whatever the offense was doing, the defense looked like the Chiefs couldn't do anything. They were number one beating the shit out of Montana. Yep. I mean, some possibly post-whistle, but, you know, it's the 90s. I was just going to say, that's boys will be boys. Those what are we talking boys. about that's here? Right. But then... Uh, Willie Davis kept dropping wide open bombs in yep. this game for Kansas City. Like, you could see that they were beating. The, the guy just wasn't catching the ball. How free this guy was running was kind of a testament to the 46 not being good at pass defense. But uh, they end up they end up going into the second half. They're up 13-7 to still after taking a 10 to nothing lead. And then Kansas City's pass rush shows up. I was just going to say, and it, it's such a flip-flop that if the Oilers didn't do this every single season for the past five seasons, you'd be like, whoa, what is this? But they are such a first-half team, it's insane. It's not only that, but Derek Thomas and Neil Smith start getting after Moon, and because and the run-and-shoot doesn't have necessarily the greatest of running games, there's nothing he can do. More time and more possession for the Chiefs, and they eventually start finally chipping away. There's a huge touchdown pass to uh, Willie Davis to make it 21-20. to well, that's or, or no twenty one uh, or uh, twenty one to thirteen, but then the Oilers come back and actually score to make it twenty one twenty with like four minutes left in the game, mm-hmm. which is like here it is, here it is, here comes the defense. They're gonna do it. Yep, they're gonna do it. They're within one point, and they don't need a lot of time to score. So nope. it's yeah, unfortunately, and uh, well, Marcus Allen takes their soul and scores a touchdown, which in nineteen ninety three was the last year. Down 28 to 20, you couldn't go for two-point conversions. Yep. So it literally ends the game. And, yeah. and that's that's the one of the, the things that you see on, on a rule change where you're just like, oh, yeah, they do need that. Where, But you know what? It wouldn't have mattered because the Oilers got the ball back and Moon just, got sacked like, yeah. every single time. Or had to I was just going to say, they're, they're, it was su- it's such a – because their offense just like died in that second half. Yeah, it, it just evaporated yep. under the pass rush and the lack of a running game. And, uh, well, seven straight years, nine pro bowlers, multiple of those years, all in the playoffs. Only team in the NFL to do it. And guess what, Chris? Couldn't get past the divisional round. It's kind of crazy. And then I saw, because in 94, we've obviously talked about it, that's when the uh, salary cap comes in. And one of the front office guys, which I still think is insane, just goes, oh, yeah, we didn't plan for the salary cap whatsoever. <laughs> so to, to say that this team that was filled with talent that couldn't do anything exploded the next year is almost an understatement. Like, 
everybody went somewhere else. Warren Moon, most notably, went to the Vikings. Yep. A couple of years later, dudes were in Jacksonville. I mean, the yeah, whole it's, team broke up. I was just going to say, the entire team went to a different city. So, so, oh, and I did want to mention about that. I don't know if you know anything about the 94 Oilers. They had the worst record in the NFL. Mm-hmm. They, If it wasn't for Jacksonville and Carolina, they would have had the first pick in the draft. They went from 12 wins to two. Yeah, which is insane. That's that's what every yeah like they blew the I mean they weren't lying I mean I I give Bud Adams credit he said yeah none of you come back no that just we didn't really prepare for the it, salary cap I'll tell you what it really was the Hawks losing against the Ducks it was nobody's making the team next it's year true. nobody made the team nobody, nobody made, made the, the team. team and then Fulton accosted him in the sequel in the park oh man that was tied him up awesome looking to bully some kids I don't think so I don't think so thank you all thank you.